Today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is God's word. Thanks, Aline, for reading scripture for us. Uh, very good morning to you all. Good to see you all gathered here this morning. And uh, well, welcome if you are new. Good hope to get to meet you and get to know you better. And also hello to those uh, watching this online at home. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our word this morning. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you indeed for you, how you have spoken. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen us as we come around your word. We ask that you would grant us understanding, help us to see clearly, help us to behold the glory of Christ, that we would follow him, our chief shepherd. Father, help us to humble ourselves before your truth and to encourage one another as we hear these words to walk in your ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been listening to a podcast recently about the rise and fall of a well-known evangelical church in the US. So for more than a decade, this church experienced tremendous growth with thousands attending its services every week in multiple locations. Uh, its pastor was, a, uh, was an internationally influential preacher whose sermons, whose writings commanded an ardent following. Uh, on, in the church, on social media, and beyond. Uh, then it all imploded. The pastor resigned in the wake of allegations of disqualifying conduct, bullying, arrogance, and being domineering. I wish this was an isolated incident, uh, but sadly it isn't. Uh, in recent years, the ministries of well-known pastors and other Christian leaders have ended in scandal and disgrace. Patterns of unrepentant sin have been uncovered, along with the sad and tragic stories of those traumatized by abuse at the hands of these leaders. Uh, on the screen, I'll put up a quote by this writer, Diane Langbert, who wrote this book, Redeeming Power, Understanding Authority and Abuse in the Church. And I won't read it out, it's quite a long quote, but I'll just leave it up on the slide for you to take in. Sobering quote to think about. Uh, the misuse of authority is so prevalent in this fallen world, and sadly, this abuse of authority has also reared its ugly head in the church. Maybe among us here, or maybe if you're watching this at home, perhaps some of us have been hurt by those who claim to be our spiritual leaders, and maybe some of us are still bearing the painful scars of hurts inflicted upon us in the past, or maybe even now you're still bearing the hurt inflicted in the present. So unsurprisingly, many have become disillusioned with the church or even with Christianity. Any call to submit to spiritual authority in this current climate seems to be strange, right? uh, rather uh, odd that we would submit to authority like that. Any call to submit is met with incredulity, suspicion, uh, perhaps even disdain. Uh, friends, we need to ask ourselves, how has the church gone so wrong about leadership? Where did we go wrong? And how can things be put right? Well, this is the second last sermon on our series in First Peter. So, Lord willing, we will conclude 
our series in 1 Peter next weekend. And so far, we've heard about how God's people are to live as elect exiles in the world, how we don't belong and how we are passing through this fallen world headed for our heavenly homeland. We're looking forward to the consummation of our living hope. And life in this world is hard. Right? That's what Peter says. We, we expect suffering as we do good. And Peter calls us to endure suffering, to be subject, even as we uh, do good and witness to Christ in this fall. Life in this world is hard, but Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has not left his sheep to fend for themselves. He has appointed leaders to guide and to guard his sheep as we journey through this wilderness. And in this passage, Peter turns his attention from the sheep to the shepherds of his people. These are the leaders who will lead his people in a way that is distinct from the world. Right? These, these are the leaders that God has appointed to guide and guard his sheep. So in a nutshell, these verses speak of how elders are to faithfully pastor God's flock in the hope of glory from the chief shepherd. And the sheep are called to follow, to follow faithful elders who lead them to trust in the good shepherd and to hope in him as well. So as I preach these verses, I, I'm very aware that I am really preaching to myself as one of the elders of this church. And I'm preaching to, obviously to the other elders of this church as well. I'm, I'm also preaching to the sheep gathered here and watch, or watching this online. As fellow members of GBC, this is a word for you as well. It speaks of how we should relate to the leaders whom God has placed over us. Uh, this word also reveals to us the kind of leaders we should appoint to be over us, right? to allow God's word to shape the way we think about leadership rather than defaulting to the way the world thinks about leadership. So I pray that we'll be blessed as we come around the word together this morning. So just two points as we work through these verses. Number one, elders pastor the sheep. Elders pastor the sheep, looking at verses one to four. You notice in our text, it begins with the word so. So I exhort the elders among you. So the word so connects these verses to what has gone on before in chapter four. So in chapter four, Peter has spoken about the sufferings of God's people, right? how Christians will share in Christ's sufferings. In fact, Jesus says that judgment begins at the household of God. The church, therefore, needs godly leaders who will faithfully steer God's people through the storms of suffering. And indeed, it is especially crucial for the leaders to be godly, to be steadfast, because often the leaders are the first in the line of fire. Uh, it's, not, it's not unexpected. I mean, you read stories of how Christians are persecuted in other parts of the world, and oftentimes, it's the pastors of the church who get arrested first. It's often the pastors of the church who suffer persecution first. You know, we are first in the line of fire. And therefore, he addresses the leaders here of God's people saying, you all, you need to shepherd in this way for the good of the church, especially a church that is going through the storms of suffering. Now, Peter probably had in mind Ezekiel's prophecy of God's judgment on Jerusalem in Ezekiel chapter 9. Uh, the prophet, or the God speaking through the prophet says, begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the house. I, I think this comes with the job, right? As, as an elder, we are often first into the fire. You know, therefore, Peter turns his attention to the leaders whom he identifies as the elders among you, verse 1. Now, the New Testament often mentions elders as the leaders of churches. You know, this is common practice in the New Testament. For example, if you read the book of Acts, the churches in Jerusalem had elders. And if you look at Paul's sort of missionary plan, he would go to different places, he would preach the gospel, and when people become Christians, he would gather them and establish local churches. And one of the first things he would do for these new churches is to appoint elders these churches. 
And, and notice here that Peter mentions elders in the plural, right? Not just an elder of the church, but elders among you. In the New Testament, churches were not led by a single elder. You know, it wasn't a one guy calling the shots, but churches were led by a plurality of elders, a team of elders working together. You know, some who labored in preaching and teaching were financially supported by the church. Paul encourages churches to give financial support to these men who focused on preaching and teaching among the elders so that they could give themselves fully to that task. But they served with other elders as well, and they served as one team to shepherd and to lead the church together. This is a common uh, organization of leadership in the New Testament. And Peter refers to himself, interestingly enough, as a fellow elder. Right? You know, notice he doesn't call himself an apostle. Right? So he doesn't really, he, he's not, in this, in this passage, he's not putting himself above the elders and talking down to them, saying, okay, you guys better do this. Rather, he identifies himself as co-laborer with these elders. I think that shows a lot of humility on Peter's part. He's not pulling rank, right, as it were. But he's saying, hey guys, I'm an elder too. And even as I give these exhortations to you, I'm actually speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself as well. This is a word for me too. Right? That's what Peter is saying to these elders. He's not just saying, do as I say, but he's saying to them, do as we do together. Do as what God calls us to do. So it shows a lot of humility uh, from Peter. And Peter also identifies himself as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. It simply means that Peter proclaims the message of the cross. He speaks of how Jesus is the Son of God, fully God and, and fully man. He came down into this fallen world, lived among us, suffered and died for sinners like us. You know, Peter, has, Peter has mentioned earlier in his letter already that Jesus suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So Peter bears witness to the good news of Jesus. At the same time, to bear witness to Christ, to bear witness to his sufferings, also implies that Peter shares in Christ's sufferings. I'm a witness to Christ's sufferings, and my life reflects the suffering of Christ as well. I think in these little uh, self-descriptors that Peter is using, I think you see the amazing transformation that has happened to this man. Right? If you're familiar with the stories of Peter in the Gospels, I mean, he comes across as a rather impetuous, maybe a bit boastful man who puts himself forward, right? saying, I can do it. Right? He's a man who doesn't lack that kind of self-confidence. But, but here, in, in these verses, you, you see humility. You see this uh, humility before God, this willingness to identify with Christ in his sufferings, which is really significant. Because before, in the Gospels, Peter was the one who refused to let Jesus go to the cross. Right? Peter had no concept of a suffering Messiah. Right? In, in Peter's mind at that time, a Messiah would only be victorious, purely victorious, right? conquer by might. But, but here you see Peter understanding the, the grace of suffering and how suffering leads to redemption. Right? Peter witnesses the sufferings of Christ and he understands himself to share in that suffering as well. He now understands that the cross must come before the crown. He understands that the pathway of the normal Christian life goes through the cross even as we are headed to the, the glory of the crown. And Peter endures suffering with hope. You know, if you look at the third descriptor, he says, I am also a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. So Peter understands suffering, but he also understands that there is hope. The Christian life is not just about suffering, but he, we can look forward to this living hope that is ours because Christ is raised from the dead. And when this risen Christ returns, he will share his glory with his people. And this is the hope that Peter expresses 
because he understands himself to be a partaker of that glory when Christ is revealed. We will be resurrected and glorified with him. So Peter has described himself, and I think as Peter describes himself, he's giving us a picture of who an elder should be. He's giving us some characteristics of what an elder should be like. Just like Peter, an elder should be someone who is humble, someone who sees himself not as lording it over others or lording it over the other elders, but someone who sees himself as a fellow elder who serves alongside other leaders for the good of God's people. An elder is someone who is faithful, who, who, who preaches the message of the cross, even if it costs him, even if it involves sharing in Christ's sufferings. An elder is someone who hopes in Christ, someone who lives with a living hope because of Christ's resurrection, someone who understands himself to be a future partaker in the glory when Christ is revealed. An elder doesn't live his best life now. An elder doesn't, isn't in it for temporal gain. An elder puts aside earthly gain in order to serve Christ in view of the glory that will be revealed. So an elder is someone who is humble, who is faithful, who hopes in Christ regardless of his present circumstances. So we've seen the who of an elder. Now we, we want to think about the what and the how. Right? What is the role of elders and how should they do it? So in the, in the next part of our text, Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So shepherd, exercise, oversight. Elders are commanded to shepherd, and the word shepherd is the verb form of the noun pastor. Right? That's where we get the word pastor from, shepherd, same word. Uh, in other words, elders are to pastor. Elders are to pastor. That's exactly what Peter says here in verse 2. You notice Peter doesn't distinguish between the so-called full-time elders and the non-full-time elders. Right? He doesn't say, okay, now you're full-time, better pastor. No, he doesn't distinguish between them. All elders, whether you're full-time or not, all elders are to pastor. In fact, Scripture uses pastor as a verb or action word more often than as a noun for a person's title. It would be interesting to know that in the New Testament, pastor is used as a noun, guess how many times? Only once. Only once in the whole New Testament is the word pastor used as a noun. And that appears in Ephesians 4 verse 11. Uh, more often, the title elder or overseer is used. Pastor is more often used as a verb, not a noun, as a verb to describe what elders do. Right? Elders, pastor. In Acts 20, 28, for example, you know, Paul gathers the elders from the church of Ephesus and he meets them at Miletus, right? and he says to them these parting words. He knows that he's not going to see them again, so he gives them sort of his last final instructions before he departs. And what does he say to them? Actually, very similar to what Peter says here. Paul says to those elders of the church of Ephesus, Ephesus he says, Pastor, pastor the church of God, that he has bought with his own blood. That's what he says to those elders. Therefore, it is eminently biblical to say that me, Oli, and Tian Chai, you know, we, we are staff elders, we pastor. Chong Tian, Bei, Lap Meng, Chuan Xin, Caleb, John, and Nehemiah, they're not staff elders, but they are also elders who pastor. And we, as a team of elders, we pastor together. And I think that is in line with what Peter is saying in this text. This is what elders do. We pastor. What does it mean to pastor or shepherd? I think it's very helpful to, to go to that conversation that Jesus had with Peter, right? After Jesus rose from the dead. You know, he appears to Peter in John 21. And 
Jesus essentially commands Peter three times, right? With these imperatives. He says, feed my sheep, pastor my sheep, feed my sheep. That, that's exactly how he says it. Feed, pastor, feed. Right? And so it tells us that pastoring the sheep has a lot to do with feeding. Right? That's what Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, how, or rather pastor my sheep, how? By feeding them. Therefore, elders are to pastor the sheep by feeding them. And what are we to feed the sheep with? Not our ideas, not our well-meaning thoughts and wishes. No, the, the, the sheep need something more substantial. Right? They, they, can't, they can't survive on junk food. What the sheep need is not what the elders say just from our own wisdom, but what the sheep need is the living and abiding Word of God that Peter has already mentioned in chapter 1, verse 23. The, the, the sheep need solid food, not thin gruel, but solid food. Uh, Peter has called this the pure spiritual milk in chapter 2, verse 2. The pure spiritual milk that is able to make us grow up into salvation. And this is what the elders have to feed the sheep with, the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. Elders pastor by teaching God's Word. You, know, I, I, you realize this is a very different notion of leadership from the world. Nothing to do with charisma, nothing to do with personality, nothing to do with having a larger-than-life presence, nothing to do with being a good public speaker, nothing to do with having a grand vision or strategic plan for growth. No, none of that at all. Elders pastor by feeding the sheep with the Word. The sheep don't need a grand growth plan or a business plan. The sheep don't need me to have a big personality. No, the sheep need the Word. The sheep need the Word. And this is exactly what elders are to do. And notice here also that the, the, the authority of elders isn't intrinsic to them, right? You know, you don't, have, you don't suddenly have influence and power simply because you have the title elder. No, the, the authority of the elders comes from the authority of Scripture. And they have the authority to lead insofar as they lead according to God's Word. So you listen to me as long as I am teaching God's Word to you. Once I stop teaching God's Word, you know, if I go off and, and start teaching false things, then you have no reason to listen to me at all. Because my authority comes from the authority of God's Word. Once I stray from that, you should stop listening to me. For this reason, an elder must be able to teach. Right? That, that's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 3. And, and he, he follows that up in Titus to flesh it out. What, is, what does able to teach mean? It doesn't mean being a good public speaker. It doesn't mean being a good communicator. Well, that, that could help. But what Paul primarily means by being able to teach is what he says in Titus 1 verse 9. An elder must hold firm, not wishy-washy, but he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's what it means to be able to teach, to hold firm to the truth and to bring this truth to bear on God's people for their good, for their protection, especially when there is false teaching about but of course, when we think about teaching, it doesn't mean that every elder must preach. I think Paul uses a more a broader term there, right? Elders must be able to teach, not necessarily preach, but teach. So teaching can take various forms. It, can in, in, it includes preaching, obviously, but teaching can also take place in teaching a class, like equip. Right? And Caleb is leading our class right now on biblical manhood and womanhood. So Caleb is teaching God's Word. You, you teach by teaching a class. You can teach by leading a CG study, by leading a, a CG, a care group, or, le or leading a small group Bible study, leading a, a couple of people in God's Word, helping them to understand God's Word, to apply God's Word. Teaching happens when you disciple someone one-on-one, -on -one, when you sit down with someone, when you walk them through Scripture and help them to understand and apply God's Word very specifically to their lives. Right? Teaching happens there too. Teaching happens in counselling as well. 
You know, counseling is not simply us giving sort of good advice, right? That, that's actually not biblical counseling, but counseling is us applying scripture to someone's life, to someone's specific pastoral concerns or issues. Right? That's counseling, and that's teaching. We're bringing scripture to bear very intentionally on someone with a specific need. And elders do that as well. Many different kinds of teaching. For example, many of the elders are involved in premarital counseling, where we sit down and we help apply scripture to this couple who is preparing for marriage. And we help them to see how the gospel needs to shape their understanding and practice of married life. So elders are to pastor by teaching the word of God. Elders are to grow, guide, and guard the sheep by feeding them with God's word. And elders are to shepherd in the steps of Jesus, the good shepherd. What did Jesus come to do? He came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, Ezekiel 34 has a really beautiful description of what the chief shepherd does. Ezekiel 34 says, verse 16, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. It's a wonderful description of the work of the Good Shepherd. You know, the Good Shepherd doesn't come and say to us, you know, sort yourself out. And then I'll... Specifically for those who are weak, for those who are hurting, for those who are wandering away, and He seeks them out. He goes after them. He, he seeks to draw them back to God. And I think this here is the job description for elders as well. We, we are to seek, we are to bring strength, we are to bind up. I think it's no coincidence that the, one of the characteristics of elders is that we should, we should be gentle and compassionate. Right? That, that's very much in the biblical qualifications for an elder. I think those qualifications are there because we're meant to reflect the Good Shepherd in how we shepherd. So elders are to shepherd the flock of God. You know, it is the flock of God. Peter reminds us that this is not our church. This is not my church, right? This, I, I'm the pastor here, but this is not my church. This is God's church. I, I think for us to think about that as well, this is not your church per se. This is God's church, and we are sheep in his flock. We are his treasured possession, bought with the precious blood of his beloved son. So elders are to see ourselves as not owners, but rather stewards. We have a stewardship from God to pastor his people. And elders are to shepherd the flock of God among you. That's what Peter says to these elders. Among you means that elders are to live among God. They, they don't shepherd from a distance. They don't shepherd by looking down at God's people. No, they live among God's people. Elders are to do life together with the rest of God's people. Uh, because elders are sheep too, right? Shepherds are sheep too. I think one pastor put it well. He said, elders must smell like sheep. Now, God doesn't want elders to maintain some kind of professional distance from those whom we serve. No. As fellow members of the church, we are mutually involved in one another's lives. We are stuck in to the life of the body and we live among the sheep because we are sheep too. This also tells us that elders also need encouragement and fellowship. Your pastor needs encouragement and fellowship. An elder must not be arrogant and aloof, but hospitable. Right? This is why... One of the characteristics of an elder is hospitality. Why? Because he's, he's supposed to live among God's people. And hospitality means, you know, not that you, have, you host fancy dinner parties all the time, but rather to be hospitable means that you are approachable. An elder is someone who opens his life and his home to others to, to invite them in. An elder is someone who seeks to know and to be known by others. If we think about that, elders are simply to model what it means to be a faithful church member. 
If, if you're a member of this local church, you know, what's one thing that you do, that you need to do? You're supposed to know and be known, right? Know the other members so that you can encourage them and be known by them so that they can encourage you, right? And that's what elders are to model for the rest of the church. Elders pastor by exercising oversight, right? Exercising oversight simply means to care, to care for the well-being of the church. So Peter again reminds the elders that they are to use their, their authority not for themselves, but for the growth of the gospel and for the good of God's people. Jesus opposes any worldly notions of leadership. Jesus says these words in Mark 10, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it, not, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what elders are to do. Elders are to pastor and exercise oversight for the good of God's flock. You notice how in these verses, Peter actually uses three terms to describe leaders in the church, right? And these three terms refer to one office of leadership, right? He, he speaks of elder, pastor, and overseer. And the way Peter speaks in these verses tells us that these three terms are used interchangeably in the New Testament. An elder equals a pastor equals an overseer. That's how the New Testament uses that language. There's no distinction. And they all refer to the same office. You know, I know this can be quite strange for some of us because we're so used to calling full-time guys like myself a pastor. But actually, the biblical language is that all of us are elders and we pastor together. I think that's a more biblical way of describing what we do and describing what, who we are. So having considered the what, let's now look at the how, right? So how are elders to do this? In verses 3 and 4, Peter uses three contrasts. Not this, but that, right? Or not that, but this. To describe how elders are to serve, right? These three contrasts. He says, first one, not under compulsion, but willingly. The second contrast, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And the third contrast, not domineering, over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So three contrasts. So basically, if you look at all these three contrasts, basically what Peter is saying is that elders are to serve readily with godly motivations. They're not in it for themselves, but they're in it for the glory of God. Right? And Peter urges elders not to give grudging service as though they were merely fulfilling an obligation, right? Peter says, don't, don't serve, simply to kind of check that box. Right? Rather, God is not looking for mere duty. God is looking for devotion, for delight in Him, affection for Him, affection for God's people. I mean, we understand that, right? If, if you tell, if a married man comes to you and says, yeah, I'm in this marriage because of my duty, no, that, that's, that's not good. <laughs> you don't want to remain in marriage simply out of mere duty. You want to cultivate delight and devotion to your spouse. You want to love her. Right? Mere duty doesn't quite cut it. Right? And that's what Peter says to these elders as well. Don't just do it out of duty, but do it because you love Jesus. Do it because you love, because you love Jesus, you love his people. Do it because of that. You know, C.S. Lewis said these words, duty is only a substitute for love like a crutch, which is a substitute for a leg. Not a good thing if it's mere duty. So Peter says, serve readily, right? Not grudgingly, but readily. Uh, neither are elders to be greedy for gain, right? They, they, they're not in it for personal benefit, right? And Peter refers to this could be financial gain or, or to make a name for yourself, right? To want great things for yourself, Peter says, don't serve with those motivations. You know, some want the title of elder more than they want the responsibilities that come along with it. Some want the title of an elder thinking it gives them power, it gives them influence, it gives them a standing 
before others. But Peter says, no, no, no. That's a bad reason to serve as an elder. You know, in, in the New Testament, you have an example of such a man. Right? If you read the Paul's third, or John's third epistle, he mentions this man called Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. I think he was, probably, he was possibly a leader of the church that John is writing to. Right? So John says, don't be like Diotrephes. Don't put yourself first. Instead, elders are to shepherd willingly and eagerly. We are to serve wholeheartedly with genuine zeal for God and love for His people. A faithful elder is one who shepherds others regardless of whether he has a title or not. Right? In fact, the way we want to identify potential elders is to look, at, look out in the church and see who are the men who are already shepherding God's people, who are the men who are already teaching, discipling, and strengthening the sheep, even if they don't have the title. I would say those men are well-suited to serve as elders because they do it regardless of whether they have a title or not. Getting a title doesn't suddenly make you an elder. An elder is someone who loves the sheep, who shepherds the sheep, regardless of whether he has the office. That said, it's good to desire to serve as an elder. Paul calls it a noble task worth aspiring to. Now, the Bible encourages ambition. Right? The Bible encourages godly ambition for the good of God's people. Men, I, I address the men specifically. I want to challenge us as men to have godly ambition for the good of the church. Right? Do we aspire to serve God's people in this way? Now, do we aspire the task of shepherding and pastoring God's people? Scripture says it's a good thing. It's a good thing to aspire to do so. so. So let me challenge you, men. Do we aspire to do this? And I pray that God would grow in our hearts a desire to serve Him and His people. And I pray that God would raise up faithful elders among us who would faithfully pastor the flock. Now, this is why we have elder associates. You know, we're trying to help these men to understand what it means to become or to serve as elders so that they get an up-close look at what elders do and the way we carry out our meetings, the way we do our ministry. It doesn't make them elders, but rather this is like an exposure for them. They're like elder interns, if, 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 you, if you will. So we have three elder associates currently uh, serving with us now, Gerald, Wei Chen, and Andrew. So encourage them as they continue to grow to understand what it means to serve as an elder. Elders are to be examples to the flock. So instead of bossing others around, and telling them what to do, elders are to be Christ-like role models who show others how to live. Not, not simply saying, do as I do, or do as I say, but rather, live as I live. That's what elders are to do. Diane Langbert, again, in her book, Redeeming Power, says these words, we forget that anything done in the name of God that does not bear his character through and through is not of him at all. Those, again, are sobering words for elders to reflect on. If we do not reflect the character of Christ, then don't listen to what we say. Elders are to live in such a way as to be able to sincerely say, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, elders are not super-Christians. You know, we're not perfect, not by any stretch. We're simply ordinary believers striving to faithfully follow Jesus. And as we do so, we're calling the people around us, follow me as we follow Christ together. You know, therefore, if you look at the biblical qualifications for an elder, they're actually remarkably unremarkable. If you look at 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, they're simply characteristics of godliness. Why? Because an elder is simply to exemplify godliness so that the other Christians around them will walk in their steps as well. They would also be godly. Right? If the criteria are so unattainable, then it, it, sort of doesn't, it sort of misses the point. Right? The, the point is that these criteria are meant to show the rest of the church what godliness looks like. As Hebrews 13.7 says, we are to imitate their, their faith. Right? Consider, remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. So why should elders serve? Right? P. 
Peter says, we serve for this purpose, to glorify Jesus, the, the chief shepherd. We have only one senior pastor, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is coming back. So elders are to serve in expectation of his return. We are not an authority unto ourselves. We do not have absolute authority. But our authority is derived from the authority of the chief shepherd. We are his under-shepherds. And therefore, we are accountable to him. Our task is to proclaim Christ in our teaching and to portray Christ in our living. So we press on because when the chief shepherd appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. Right? We're meant to model for the rest of the church what it means to live with this living hope, right? to, to have patient endurance even as we suffer because we're looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. So that's elders. You know, it's, it's more lengthy. So more briefly, I want to close our time together by looking at sheep. So verse 5, just one verse, right? So what, what are the sheep to do? Right? So far we've seen how our el- we, we've looked at the elder's role, his readiness, as well as his reward of glory when Jesus returns. So how should the sheep relate to the under-shepherds? What about us? What, how should we, what should we do in, in this whole passage? Peter says in verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, just, just a qualifier here. The word younger here doesn't refer to physical age per se, but to those who are not elders. I, I think that's Peter's sense. That is, he's talking about the other members of the church. Right? You who are non-elders, this is how you relate to the elders. While age and spiritual maturity are often associated, being younger in age doesn't necessarily preclude one from serving as an elder. Similarly, being old in age doesn't exempt one from having to submit to elders who may be younger in age. For example, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, right, let no one despise you for your youth, which implies that Timothy was responsible for shepherding those who were older than him. And Paul tells Timothy again, you know, encourage an older man as he would a father, again implying that Timothy is also responsible for pastoring the older men in that church. Titus 2 was to teach older men, you know, Titus chapter 2. Now, Peter's command to be subject to the elders really goes against the grain of the culture, given the current distrust or even disdain or contempt for authority. No, but the word likewise that Peter starts off with, you know, likewise, likewise, you who are younger, tells us that the sheep, like the under-shepherds, are also responsible for obeying the chief shepherd. Right? So likewise, just as the elders serve under the chief shepherd, likewise, the sheep do this in obedience to the chief shepherd. So what is Peter saying? Jesus calls us to follow him. How? By following the under-shepherds he has placed over us. Beloved, to follow the elders is obedience to Christ. I think that's what Peter says in this text. To not follow faithful godly leaders is disobedience to Christ. So what would it look like to submit to the elders? Fundamentally, it means supporting and cooperating with the elders in the work of shepherding God's flock. Right? Submission doesn't mean I do whatever the elder says, right? No, it's not a blank check. You know, submission doesn't mean, oh, I, I just do what the elder wants to do, right? Just follow his agenda. No, no, not, not that at all. But rather, we submit to the elders by helping them, supporting them as they carry out the work that God has given them to do. And that is the work of shepherding God's flock. Since elders are called to pastor by teaching God's word, we submit to the elders, how? Simply by hearing, trusting, and obeying God's word. Elders teach the Bible. Right? As, a, as an elder, you know, it, one of the most heartening things for me is when God's people are teachable. When God's people come to the word humbly, when they desire to grow and to learn and to feed on pure spiritual milk, you know, that's, one of the most, that's one of the most encouraging things 
for an elder to observe. It's always very encouraging when God's people are open, humble, open to being challenged and even corrected by God's Word. That's one way in which we submit to the elders, by hearing and obeying God's Word. We submit to the elders by praying for us. Right? Pray for us. As I mentioned, the under-shepherds are sheep too. So we battle temptation. We struggle with sin. We wrestle with the fear of man. We wrestle with tiredness, weariness. We wrestle with discouragement, sometimes even depression and despair. None of us, you know, if you look at the team of elders who serve among us, you know, none of us feels adequate for the role. And so we covet your prayers for strength, for wisdom, for grace, to press on, to not lose heart, to persevere in faithfulness. Now pray for the church as well. You know, one, one way in which you, you support us in our work is praying for the church. You know, this is a spiritual work that we're doing and only God can give health and growth. You know, pray for God's flock. You know, we have a membership directory that you can obtain from the church office and we can send you an electronic copy. You know, take the time to pray through the directory. You pray for every single member. Every day, you know, just a few names. You don't have to know them personally, but just pray biblical prayers for them. You know, just pray through the directory. And as you do that, you're actually helping the elders in our work of shepherding God's flock. Submit to the elders by being patient with us. Now, we, are, we struggle with all kinds of things. Right? We don't always get things right. You know, in fact, Paul tells Timothy to let all see his progress. Right? Let, let the members see your growth. You're not the finished product. You need to grow as well. And, and I pray that you will also see our progress. We also need to grow into the role and, and grow in our faithfulness to Christ. You know, some of the elders, several of whom are younger in age, uh, need this encouragement. We do not have as much life or even ministry experience as some of you do. And so we, we ask you to be patient with us. You know, don't, don't complain, don't be critical, but rather encourage us, urge us on to keep growing in Christ. Submit to the elders by working with us in the mission of making disciples. Right? This, is, this is really important. You know, see yourself as a gospel partner, as a co-laborer with us, not as a consumer, as someone who just comes to consume religious services. See yourself as a co-laborer. You work with us. Help us to shepherd the sheep by discipling one another, by walking side by side with one another through the ups and downs of life. Speak the truth in love to one another. You know, given, given the size of our membership, is. I would say it's not humanly possible for the elders to be in everyone's life in an equally deep way. And so we rely a lot on the work of the saints, all of you, to shepherd with us, to work with us, to strengthen the whole body of Christ. This is what it means to be subject to the elders. Nothing give us, gives us more joy than to see God's people working together, encouraging one another to grow in faith, hope, and love. Work with us as we work with you for your joy and perseverance in the Lord. As Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Why? Because that would be of no benefit to you. Ultimately, this is for your sake. Right? So shepherd with us for the good of the whole body of Christ. Submit to the elders by inviting us into your life. Allow us to share your joys and sorrows. Uh, give us opportunity to sit down with you, to rejoice with you, and to weep with you. Now, we desire to open our hearts and lives to you as well. Open your hearts to us. Now, share prayer requests. Uh, ask us questions about the church, about the Bible, about doctrine. Uh, let us walk with you through your major life decisions or events, you know, whether it's a job change, whether you're moving country, whether it's marriage or serious illness or the loss of a loved one. You know, allow us into your life and allow us to walk with you through these seasons of life. That's what it means to be subject 
to the elders. So one recommended reading for all of us to, to look at is this free journal on, online by Nine Marks, right? How to build up your church, a guidebook for members. Highly, highly recommended. You want to know what it looks like to be subject to the elders, to work with us in the work of ministry for the good of the church. Go, go read this. It's really, really helpful. And it's free online as well. So, I need to draw to a close. How are we able to do these things? How are we able to shepherd like this and to submit as what Peter says? Ultimately, what we need is humility. Right? Verse 5, Peter tells us, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So what we all need, whether we are under shepherds or sheep, is to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Right? To be humble before Him and to be humble before one another as well. God opposes proud elders. God opposes proud members, proud sheep. But if we trust in God, He gives us grace to lead as well as to follow. And we can trust in His Son, Jesus. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Therefore, to be faithful under shepherds and to be faithful sheep, we must all follow Jesus, our good shepherd. Trust Him. Follow Him. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you that you have not left us as sheep without a shepherd. And Father, we thank you for our chief shepherd, for Jesus. We thank you and praise you for how he has come to suffer and die, the righteous for the unrighteous, and by his wounds we have been healed. We thank you that we have a selfless shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep so that we can return to you, and that we can return to him, the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Father, as a fellow elder here in this church, I do pray for the elders. I pray that you would strengthen each one of us, that you would help us to shepherd as Jesus shepherds. Help us to love your people. Help us to feed your people with your truth. Help us to open up our lives to invite others in so that we can together build one another up. And Father, I do pray for the fellow mem my fellow members of this church as well. We pray for uh, humility. We pray that we would all humble ourselves before God and therefore we would be gladly, that we would gladly follow godly leaders. Father, grant us grace to lead as well as to follow for your namesake, for the good of your church. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Chief Shepherd. Amen.